0: I'm Dan Kendall, and you're listening to Digital Health Today, Asia-Pacific Edition. Did you know that this is just one of the many shows that we create? In fact, from original podcasts like this one, to patient and professional educational content, to digital marketing, and even podcast advertising, we do a lot more than simply host conversations. We're Mission Based Media. Visit our website to learn more at missionbasedmedia.com.
1: Welcome to Digital Health Today, Asia-Pacific Edition, your go-to podcast to learn about the transformation of healthcare in a region with over 4.5 billion people across more than 40 countries. I'm your host, Tony Estrella. For some digital health companies, especially those in very developed healthcare systems, success can be contingent on first identifying a single core problem and then keeping a tight focus on this challenge when iteratively building your great solution. But not every entrepreneur or corporate innovator has the luxury to take this path, especially when there are overlapping areas of need for your customers. To help us understand the challenge for how to successfully build a solution whilst addressing multiple problem areas, I'd like to introduce Tiffany Robin Sutekno, the founder and COO of PT Globe and Urban Essential Platforms. She's a skilled entrepreneur who grew up in the Indonesian healthcare industry. Robin, welcome to the show.
0: Thank
1: you, Tony. Earlier this season on this podcast, we had an episode which described the unique challenges of Indonesia. And in summary, it's complicated. In case our audience for this episode needs the background, can you summarize the broad challenges facing the average Indonesian, especially given that the population of 275 million people is spread out across thousands of islands?
0: Definitely. So Indonesia is, as you mentioned, is an archipelago. And because of that, and due to the large population size, there's a lot of health disparity that goes on in the country with various, number one, the ratio between healthcare providers, specifically doctors, doctors and patients, the availability of healthcare facilities, and also with regards to the supply chain of certain products such as pharmaceuticals or medical devices. So in 2014, the Indonesian government actually came up with a universal health coverage program called Jaminan Kesehatan Nasional, or JKN. So This healthcare coverage program allows for all Indonesians to access healthcare in a more affordable way. They have a monthly subscription, but they can access primary, secondary, and tertiary care. And of course, that coverage program has also evolved in the last six years now, nearly seven years actually. Because of that, we have a larger access to healthcare in Indonesia, but that's not the end of the line. We still have a lot of various challenges, whether it's talking about infectious diseases, NCDs, non-communicable diseases, some of which are chronic diseases, which also then account for a lot of the budgets for this universal health coverage program. Then we also have preventive and also promotive care, which is a challenge in itself when it comes to awareness of the public, being able to understand the importance of actually doing preventive care, what to do exactly, where to access this kind of information and this kind of facilities. And what we've seen in the last few years is that technology has played a big role in actually incorporating or providing more access to more Indonesians.
1: Let's explore the impact of technology further. And let me give some background to our audience. Recent stats show that nearly 70% of Indonesians have a smartphone, which is similar to the U.S., Germany, France, and China. But the big difference is that in Asia Pacific, including Indonesia, people rely on mobile first access to the internet. What has this meant for digital health startups in Indonesia?
0: we've had a lot of new tech companies come up. A lot of them have become unicorns in the last few years. And those companies have also now entered the healthcare space to either provide or offer trusted medical supplies, pharmaceutical products, for instance, or others have also introduced uh, telemedicine as part of their uh, super app platform. So, of course, we see this sort of intersection between healthcare and also tech, which is beneficial to the public, to the end users, because then it increases access and also convenience for them.
1: Helpful insights for our audience. And this increasing use of health tech is set against the backdrop of two major infrastructure elements for the country. First, Indonesia spends about 3% of its overall GDP on healthcare. And when you compare that to the U.S., which is on the Thai side, that's about 17%, and China is about 5%. So it's a growing aspect of the economy. Another statistic, which is important in infrastructure, is the disparity between the number of physicians to people. And in Indonesia, it's less than one physician per 1,000 people. And in the U.S., that number is about 2.6 per 1,000. And China, it's about 2 per 1,000. Now, with that backdrop and everything that you've already shared with us as well, I'd like to shift gears and learn more about you and what challenges you wanted to solve specifically in being an entrepreneur. So can you tell us about which problems you decided to solve?
0: So when we started Pete Global Urban Essential, which we call Pete Gue, so Gui actually means me and, or I in colloquial Indonesian. So we started as more of a group of I would say young, naive millennials who wanted to solve healthcare problems, especially when it comes to a healthy lifestyle. We started in 2016 thinking that, okay, we should create a platform to help our users become more aware about the importance of a healthy lifestyle, nutrition, mental health. And also in parallel, we saw that, of course, when it comes to medical supplies, nutritional products, medical devices, it's not very easy to come by and it's not necessarily convenient to acquire. So we also started Goapotic, which is an online pharmacy. But from there, I think in the first six months, we realized that it's not just about Care that is fragmented, but also the healthcare industry is also highly fragmented with various players, various hospitals, various pharma companies, for instance, and distributors. So there's a lot of improvement that needs to happen when it comes to the interaction. And we saw technology as an opportunity. So from there, in the last five years, we have built three pillars that connect to one another as an ecosystem, because we realized that these issues are highly intertwined Once you want to, let's say, digitize a certain patient experience, let's say when it comes to pregnancy, then part of that is also connecting pregnant women or expecting mothers to the right doctors digitally as well. Not all doctors are also available online, for instance. So there's a lot of dependencies across the space and from there Petegui as a team we have built an ecosystem that connects patients about more than 2.5 million patients to more than 70,000 doctors out of 160,000 doctors in total in Indonesia to 1,700 pharmacies. So in one sentence, it sort of seems quite simple, but actually there's a lot of problem solving and also user experience that we need to build to accommodate specifically for certain uh, groups of people, be it doctors or pharmacies or even certain patient groups.
1: So let's unpack that because there's a lot there that I think our users and certainly fellow entrepreneurs can learn from. First, I love the fact that you came into this with your co-founders. As you said, you're young and ambitious. And Indonesia in general is somewhat of a younger country. I think the median age is about 30 years old. So you're solving for people who are your age and you have all the tools available to you. So I think that's great. Now, if we start kind of across the care journey that you're describing, It sounds like you've decided to solve in an intertwined way, upfront challenge in terms of selecting a group, which is pregnant mothers, and that's trying to engage with end users who have a particular medical concern that's top of mind for them. And then you realize that then you needed to support the value chain all the way through. So better doctors in the middle, and then a marketplace at the other end of this. Is that a good way to summarize what you've built?
0: Yes, I would say that was how we started. And then from there, we've also elaborated on that. So for instance, when it comes to the patient group, as you mentioned, we started with a millennial population. Then we realized that not all millennials are, let's say, health enthusiasts, right? So we went deeper and we followed the lead of expecting mothers. They're healthy, but they have a health condition that they need to keep track of for nine months. And from there, we have expanded that to not only expecting mothers, but mothers with children up to five years old. Then we realize from this group of people, they have a very specific behavior, which is they're very enthusiastic. It's a happy problem, so to speak. But of course, expecting mothers account for about 5 million. There's in Indonesia every year, there's an estimated 5 million pregnancies in Indonesia. So that's only one segment of the market, right? And then at the same time, we realize, of course, there's uh, the issue when it comes to non-communicable diseases, and from there, we developed Aman Diabetes, which uh, translates to Friend of a Diabetic, as a research program for us to understand how we could provide value to diabetics. Which in 2017, there was an estimated 10.7 million diabetics in Indonesia, and that is the diagnosed diabetics. We believe that there's more diabetics who have not been diagnosed, and of course, there's a lot more pre-diabetics.
1: And there's about 270 million total people across Indonesia for our audience, just to get a relative sense of these numbers.
0: Exactly. So from there, we have two different patient groups that we connect to the doctor group that you mentioned, about 70,000 doctors out of 160,000 active doctors in Indonesia. And of course, that total number has also dwindled somewhat in the last year due to covid So it's also helping the doctors, enabling them to better provide care, patient management, but also helping them do continuous medical education from the comfort of their home or their practice. So again, they can optimize their capacity and help more people or more patients. And from there, of course, once you see a doctor, you get a prescription. Or if you're expecting mother, maybe you get a supplement that you need to purchase. If you're a diabetic, maybe you need to purchase some disposables for your glucometer or some insulin, for instance. So we connect these patients to 1,700 pharmacies, some of which have also been equipped with CCP cold chain products, things like that. So It's building that capability and the capacity, but also the expertise to meet the demand and be the friend of or to accompany certain patient groups and doctor groups, as well as pharmacies, which we believe having that sort of focus on user experience and understanding them in depth has really helped us in the last five years to develop the company, but also provide even more value to the end users.
1: That's impressive to take on that level of a, and scope of a challenge, because you are clearly working across multiple stakeholder groups. And in a short sentence or two, it sounds like you had to do it that way because you couldn't tackle one part without looking at the others. It, tell us in your words, when you sat down with your co-founders and you said, okay, let's be ambitious. What was that conversation like to decide to go big?
0: it was very optimistic. Again, we were quite naive in the beginning. Some of us came from a tech background. I came from more of a public health background. So, of course, the solutions that we came up with were very overarching. They cover, they're very comprehensive. And at the time, I think we weren't very fluent in business. So we weren't, you know, talking about prioritization, for instance, our product pipeline. So it was more, okay, which one? Can we tackle first based on the partners that we had, the ecosystem that we could tap into from our investor side and also like the network that we had personally? So which ones were the low hanging fruit that we could learn the most from? So it wasn't just the market potential and also the monetization potential, but it's where can we actually get the most traction and also learn as a team most from? which I guess is quite a weird way to look at it, but it has helped us scale the company in the last five years.
1: Clearly, you've been able to figure it out. You mentioned a couple of statistics. So you work with 70,000 out of 160,000 doctors, large number of pharmacies. And how many overall end users does your platform support across the two categories, pregnant mothers and diabetics?
0: So in total, I think we currently help more than 2 million users. For moms, currently it's growing. It's even for just the mom group, it's almost nearly 2 million moms across Indonesia, but of course, divided into different groups, pregnancy, uh, parenting, and also people who are trying to become pregnant.
1: And to get to that point, you have to understand your target consumer and get into their mindset of what makes them want to engage with a digital platform. And- get value from it. So help our audience members understand what is your process for understanding and deriving consumer insights?
0: I think it's actually quite similar and well-rooted in the tech industry. We start every project with actually meeting with the end user. We see that it's very important to directly speak with them and as much as possible, see their interaction either with their family members, support group, or their healthcare provider. And understanding you know what are their pain points and of course that seems quite simplistic quite straightforward like maybe doing an interview or an FGD or a visit but it's more uncovering what are their daily habits what is it that's hindering them from achieving a certain health outcome what key behaviors so it's not necessarily just tech or just healthcare but it's a lot of it is actually doing focusing on the behavior and the mindset and understanding, okay, what are the barriers that are stopping these people or making it very difficult for these patients to achieve their goals? And of course, that can be very clear. For instance, when it comes to expecting mothers, they can very quickly say in one sentence, this is what I want for my pregnancy. I want a healthy baby. I want to be healthy myself, enjoy the process. But when it comes to let's say, chronic disease patients. So when we started the man Diabetes, before that, we actually explored several other areas such as oncology, hypertension, and then also diabetes. It was, again, much more complicated because it's a different experience to be diagnosed with a non-communicable disease or with a chronic illness. It's very different experience than, let's say, getting a positive pregnancy test. So again, talking to these people and really treating them as your friend or as a family member has really helped us. That's why our platforms are called Taman. Taman means friend in Indonesian because we don't really see ourselves as replacing a doctor or replacing the nurse or even their family members. But how we see ourselves is more as a friend who is always there for them. Even if you slip up as a patient, we're fine with that. We understand that's part of the process and the experience when you fall down, how can we stand up together and then continue the journey towards better health outcomes and also health behaviors.
1: I love that positioning to be a part of uh, someone's life as a friend. And I'm sure it's a way to build trust with your customers as in terms of being able to help them through their journey.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So it's actually very helpful because in Indonesia, it can be quite a patriarchal type of society. So it's more empowering the patient to make the right decisions and to gather the right information before they make that decision. And that's quite a big, of course, uh, behavioral shift instead of teaching them or dictating this is the right way to do things because that's not necessarily sustainable in the long term.
1: Well, like building trust, changing behaviors, changing mindset is really hard. And you clearly have been able to get to that point across different stakeholder groups, your target, your end users, your doctors, your pharmacies. What lessons can you share about how you can build trust? Like what barriers did you have to break through in order to be able to build that type of a relationship?
0: Uh, that's a big question. I would say the first one is actually always about realizing, recognizing that our users are people. And that was quite challenging when it comes to, for instance, when we built doctor to doctor because our team weren't necessarily full of doctors either. We were, a lot of us were actually non-doctors. So of course there's already that asymmetric power dynamic between our users and ourselves. And yet we came to them wanting to provide some sort of value. And some sort of help them solve their pain points, for instance. So, positioning our users as people really helped, even if they're doctors who are, of course, much more experienced and knowledgeable than us. And realizing that as people, of course, we have shared challenges such as insecurities, perhaps you have some financial needs, no one really wants to feel alone. So, these are common traits that seem quite simple, but when it's incorporated into a tech platform and incorporated into the user experience really is helpful to talk to the users build that relationship build that trust and also then between the users in the long term but it also helps with the whole process of iteration because when we look at them as people there's not so much of a gap so it becomes much more comfortable to ask for feedback to also prototype in a much quicker way that's of course very helpful for us when it comes to improving our platform So I would say that's the first one is actually recognizing that our users are people. Number two is always think about harnessing value, not just for the user, but also to the ecosystem, because everything is connected to one another. Meaning, let's say a patient needs a doctor. The doctor also needs the patient. Sometimes we forget about that. And at the end of the day, there's a larger pool of stakeholders, whether it's the pharmacies, the pharma companies, the hospitals, government payers, insurance, all these people, and even family members and also employers of the patients. So how do we connect all these players within the market to provide value to one another, but also create some sort of network effect that can be beneficial in the long term, especially for the initial target and customer? For instance, that's why when it comes to our company, one of our Values is collaboration. Even though we have an ecosystem that we've built and there's supply-demand relationships between that, it's not isolated to just Petegui or the platforms within it. But what we do is we believe that when we collaborate, for instance, with if we don't just do channel management for these 1,700 pharmacies, and these 1,700 pharmacies don't just satisfy the need of our users, but they also connect to the likes of Tokopedia, for instance, Shopee, Grab Health. Even different telehealth players, telemedicine players also work with us to have access to trustworthy medication and also medical devices. So how do we bridge that gap and understand that the patient group is not just within our ecosystem, but it's beyond? And how can we then also provide value for those people as well? Because that will eventually provide value for our pharmacies, for instance. So network effect is, of course, very important. Always thinking about the ecosystem. And then lastly, the most important thing I think is like having building a team that is really passionate about this, building this user experience and providing value. Because in Indonesia, tech is a big industry that's growing, but health tech or digital health is something relatively new. So it's recognizing how can we bring different expertise together to promote health and also to enable the end customer to build healthy behavior and benefit from the ecosystem that we've also
1: built. Well, wow, that's great information. Thank you for sharing that. I think all lessons that can be taken in by other organizations as they figure out what their go-to-market strategy and approach should be. I think it's especially important to really think of the ecosystem because you can create value and you can find success individually, but you can only achieve a certain level of scale when you operate alone. And I'm fascinated to see how across Asia Pacific, which is what this podcast focuses on in Indonesia within your market, how do we see businesses achieve great scale and really help support the needs of others? So we're coming up on time. So last question I have for you is, as you think of the next few years, what are some of the big challenges ahead for you to get more scale? How do you look at the barriers you'll need to break through?
0: We actually were founded, we were born from health. And then tech came along. But what we realized is that because we see our users as people, that their needs are not necessarily limited to health needs. And to achieve certain health outcomes, you can't just limit it to health or what we think of as health behavior interventions. But they're actually much connected to things such as economics, financial inclusion, education, and so on. So in the future, one of the things that we have been working on is how do we empower our patients to become more financially sustainable because we believe that's part of helping them, enabling them to make better decisions when it comes to their health, be it more nutritional foods or having more of a preventive mindset when it comes to their health as well. So we believe part of that is about financial inclusion and also, of course, when it comes to education. Other than that, it's about also going international. So we're looking at various opportunities to do that and being able to create more impact, especially when it comes to the doctor groups. Connecting doctors regionally, I think, will be a very important part of our value proposition to both our Indonesian doctors, but also doctors within the region themselves to better connect and learn from one another and sort of create a more collaborative space. And then lastly, of course, it's continuing with these partnerships that we've built so far and strengthening them, making sure that we can actually provide even more value to the end user, but also to our partners as well.
1: Well, I, for one, am excited to follow your journey and see how you take these insights and lessons from what you've built so far and tackle even bigger and harder to solve problems. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for sharing all of these insights.
0: Thank you so much, Tony. Thanks for listening.
1: Oh, my pleasure. And that's a wrap on this episode. You can review the show notes for links to reach Robin and to learn more about her work and the ongoing impact she's creating across her various products. Before I go... Here's how you, our audience, can support us. Please share this podcast with others. And if you follow or subscribe, you'll get updates on new episodes and other content. You can also email me at apac at digitalhealthtoday.com if you have any questions, suggestions, or ideas for future episodes. Through my website, www.tonyastreya.com, you can learn more about my fiction writing and my other healthcare work, including my white papers and other podcasts. You can also reach me on Twitter, WeChat, and LinkedIn. And finally, please visit our website at digitalhealthtoday.com to hear other episodes from our podcasting team and my earlier episodes, including Season 1. This show was researched and written by Taliosa and produced along with Mission Based Media. The sound and music was by Ivan Jurich. And until next time, I'm Tony Estrella, and thank you for listening. Hey, Dan Kendall here. Thanks for tuning in to Digital Health Today, Asia
0: Pacific Edition. This episode may be over, but there's plenty more where this came from. Just visit our website to find other great shows featuring digital health leaders and innovators. Find us at digitalhealthtoday.com. That's digitalhealthtoday.com.